0: Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?
1: Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Tech Stuff. My name is Chris Pellett, and I am an editor at HowStuffWorks.com. Sitting across from me, as always, is senior writer, Jonathan Strickland. The
0: seller of lightning rods arrived just ahead of the storm.
1: Wait, seller or seller? S-E-L-L-E-R. Okay,
0: good. Uh, And technically that's cheating because that's the first line from chapter one of a book, but there is a prologue to that book. But I wanted to use that line because it kind of ties into what we're talking about today, Uh, which, by the way, comes to us courtesy of a little Facebook feedback. Yippee! And this comes to us from our friend Basu, who says... Hey, Jonathan, are plasma ray guns possible? I'm waiting for the next podcast on this. Well, here's our next podcast on plasma ray guns. Uh, But before (laughs) we get into the idea of weaponizing plasma, let's talk a bit about what plasma is and maybe some common or at least (laughs) more uh, realistic applications for plasma that that we use today. Okay. So so plasma, it is uh, the fourth state of matter.
1: Yeah, it, it's funny to me because growing up, um, perhaps my, my school system was narrow-minded, although I don't think so. We, we learned about solids, liquids, and gases. Yep. Uh, those were
0: the three states of matter. Yeah. And that's all there were.
1: Yeah. And the yeah.
0: brontosaurus was a dinosaur. Exactly.
1: <laughs> no, I, it's probably because, I, w- I would guess it's probably more because growing up, uh, plasma is a little hard to Grasp.
0: It's, it, you, I figured well, literally out, that, I figured out, yes, because if you, can't get my on it. it hurts,
1: uh, it burns.
0: I'll, I'll explain, the way I figure the best explanation would be, t- uh, look at it from a, a, the stance of molecular movement. Mm-hmm. Okay. So with solids, the solids are made up of molecules and those molecules don't move a lot. They are moving, so even in that granite table that you might see, that the molecules within that granite table are actually in motion. They're just not moving a lot. Uh, you,
1: you can take it for granted that they'll stay put.
0: Yes, and then in liquids, you have a little more molecular movement, and the the actual composition of the matter it. it acts differently, right? So ice is a solid, water is a liquid. And then if you add more energy into the system and you create more molecular movement, you can make that liquid turn into a gas. And in a gas, you've got a lot more molecular movement. The molecules aren't as uh, packed closely, as close together as it would be in a liquid or in a solid. And uh, that's when you've got the gas form. Well, plasma is the next step. It's when you've added even more energy into that that, uh, element, and this also tends to strip away electrons ionizing that gas so you've got free electrons flowing through the gas that an ionized gas that is plasma so in a way you could think of plasma as sort of a subset of gas but it's really its own thing because it's an ionized gas
1: jonathan it it strips away electrons are are you sure <laughs> well it pushes electrons way out into the outer shells i i was i was going for the joke there yeah they lose electrons, are you sure? I'm
0: positive. There we go. Okay. Uh, no, the reason why I said that is because literally this week, uh, Phil Plate, the bad astronomer, wrote a post about ionizing atmosphere conditions and how that creates, uh, or the auroras of the aurora borealis and the aurora Mm -hmm. australis. And he had written about how it strips electrons away from oxygen and then later corrected himself saying, all right, technically that is not correct. What really happens is that the electrons are pushed to the further energy shells around the nucleus of the atom. And when the electrons come back down to their natural energy shell, photons are released and that's the aurora. So that's why I wanted to not do the I'm positive joke right off the bat.
1: Okay, okay. Um, you can tell we don't, we, we sort of prepare, but we don't rehearse our yes. Um, it, it's funny too that, uh, that we think about plasma as being the fourth state of matter. In yeah. a way, it, it's, uh, it kind of strange because, um, plasma is far more prevalent in yes. our universe. The most than, plentiful
0: state of matter. 99% yeah. of all matter in the universe, all, anything that's not dark matter, whether or not that exists is not is not totally different, Subject I was going to say matter, but that 's really too many matters, uh, uh, but yes, of all the matter that we have observed, plasma makes up ninety nine percent of it, and you might think well that 's weird because everything I encounter tends to be either a solid, a liquid, or a gas. I very rarely encounter plasma well that 's because you don 't live on the sun
1: i I, I have uh, encountered a couple of people who have encountered plasma firsthand, sure uh, uh, more than once. Because they have been hit by lightning.
0: Yes, and that's what I was saying uh, with my quote at the beginning of this show. Uh, Lightning is something that can create plasma. It's one of the the ways that we can find naturally occurring plasma on Earth. Uh, The plasma does not last very long. Um, but we'll get into that in a second,
1: and I would avoid coming into contact with plasma, yeah uh, as often as possible. Now,
0: there are other plasmas that we encounter anything any sort of ionized gas is a plasma. And there are some that are considered cold plasmas, and by cold we're talking in terms of relativity here, right mm-hmm. you know it's just it's colder than, say, the plasma you would find. Shooting out of the sun,
1: and then there's blood plasma, right, that's, which is totally, different. totally not different,
0: not the same stuff, no, so but plasma but like a neon sign <laughs> right the, that's, that's an ionized gas within a, the neon is ionized within that sign. That technically is a plasma. It's just not the same quite, quite the same thing as what we would find say a plasma cutter, which is kind of what I wanted to talk about because plasma cutter that's something that's it's a tool that we use that can cut through really sturdy, thick sheets of metal. And it's really impressive if you ever see one of these in action because you might look at a sheet of metal and you think, that, how the heck are you supposed to shape this so that you can use it in various applications, like uh, building airplanes? In fact, building airplanes is kind of where the idea for plasma cutters came into play.
1: Yes, that's, that's true. And, um, they, uh, plasma cutters not only cut through metal, they do it like butter.
0: Yeah, like butter. Um, I'll give you a topic.
1: Plasma plasma cutters are are really, if you'll pardon my uh, again oversimplification, really really fancy because not only are they cutting, they're cutting very precisely. Yes, and um, they they tend to uh, uh, basically the way they cut through it, they they do it uh, at a temperature so hot that it. it seals off the metal and prevents corrosion. Yes, yeah. Um, but it's, again, that's an oversimplification. Let's get into what's really going on here.
0: Sure. So back at, during World War II, uh-huh. uh, there was a demand for building
1: aircraft. Very, very, very quickly.
0: Yes. And that's that's kind of a problem because aircraft are very complex, very large uh, devices. So that meant that, you know, you had to find a new way to go into mass production. And so... Uh, there were different experiments being done about new means of welding materials together. And, uh, the, some folks discovered that if they used a, uh, a, a gas, an inert gas fed through an electric arc. So they create an electric arc between a couple of electrodes and they shoot gas through that arc that they could, uh, create a very effective welding tool.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, um, so that was sort of the basis of the plasma cutter. Now this was not used to cut, this was used to weld. Yes. So welding different like, sheets of metal together.
1: Like arc welding, for yes, example. Yes, exactly.
0: So, uh, but that, that started the foundation. What happened was in the 1960s, some engineers figured out that they could actually increase the temperatures of this, this, uh, this plasma by speeding up the flow of gas and by controlling the diameter of the, the nozzle. So if they decrease the diameter, they're, they're making it, you know, narrower yes. and they're increasing the flow of gas and they're pushing it through this electrode, it would actually uh, increase the temperature quite a few you know, orders of magnitude. Yes. And this is where the idea of using this to cut through metals started to come into play. And, uh, technically, uh the 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 typical plasma cutter uses the sheet of metal that it's cutting as part of a circuit
1: mhm mhm that's
0: true so you got to think about the t- the parts of a uh of a plasma cutter uh you've got an electrode inside of it that's what pro- that's what's providing the the um the the charge mhm you've got the cutting gas that is inside of it this is the the inert gas that's going to be passed through this electric charge and superheated to plasma. And then you've got a uh, a controlling gas that's around that that actually is used to help concentrate the flow of the cutting gas. It's, it's, uh, so you've got the nozzle that's helping concentrate the flow, and then you've got a second gas that's also sort of pushing against that cutting gas, keeping it nice and tight. Mm-hmm. And then once you put the, um, the plasma cutter against the, the piece of metal – then that creates a circuit. The shock from or the charge from the electrode goes to the metal. The metal has sort of a, a positive charge to it. The uh, uh, and, uh, and we know that the negative wants to go to positive. So the electricity hits the metal. The gas flowing through the nozzle is ionized, mm-hmm. becomes plasma, and superheats and actually turns uh, metal into into molten material at the blink of an eye. And that's when you can just start cutting through it like it was... As Chris said, but, yep, yeah,
1: yep, yeah. well when you're reaching temperatures of thirty thousand degrees Fahrenheit, that's sixteen thousand six hundred forty nine degrees Celsius, yep, that's pretty hot,
0: yeah, and when we're talking about increasing the flow of the gas, we're talking this this gas is flowing at a rate of around twenty thousand feet per second. Do you know how many meters per second that is?
1: I don't know, uh
0: counting on my fingers about six thousand ninety six someone's been reading HowStuffWorks.com. dot com Uh, It's an excellent article. We do have an article on how plasma cutters work at HowStuffWorks.com, which is it's a good thing to read about. And if any of this sounds familiar to you guys, then you've been listening to Tech Stuff for a really long time, because we did do an episode ages ago about plasma waste converters. Yes. And what a plasma waste converter is, it's a really cool application of this technology. It's essentially using a a device similar to a plasma cutter, a plasma torch, Mm -hmm. to create this incredibly super hot ionized gas in order to liquefy or gasify trash. Mm-hmm. So depending upon what the trash is made out of, it will either turn into a gas, because you know once the plasma is applied to it, or it will liquefy. Uh, so essentially car- carbon-based uh, uh, elements, anything that's carbon-based within the trash is going to gasify uh, and everything else liquefies. And um, it's... You can use that gas, depending on on what you're producing, you can actually use that gas as fuel. And the liquefied stuff, once it cools, turns into stuff that looks kind of like obsidian. Mm-hmm. In fact, I have a, I have a sample of that because when I did the article, I visited a, a uh, engineer at Georgia Tech who gave me a sample of this uh, solidified uh, waste, which looked like it was a volcano rock. Well, essentially, is what it is, kind of. So anyway, that's another interesting use of plasma technology. Now let's kind of talk a little bit about the concept of plasma weapons. Okay. So we had our our listeners specifically asked us, like, are plasma ray guns possible? Um, In a word, no, at least not with today's technology. Mm -hmm. And there are a, a lot of different reasons for this. Uh, one of those is that um, plasma. If you were to generate plasma at a at a temperature that would be considered weaponized, so we're talking about you know hot, hot plasma,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, you have the problem of heat dispersing too quickly. So uh, the the ionized gas would lose a lot of energy as soon as it leaves wherever it is, wherever you're generating it. Yeah. Right. So. Uh, at the point of generation, it's going to be very, very hot. So if I were point blank right up against you and I pushed a weapon against you and I pulled the trigger, then yeah, you're going to get cut in half. Yeah. Or you're going to have a hole drilled through you essentially. But if you're, you know, 20 feet away, this ionized gas is going to be losing energy at a very fast rate. And as it loses energy, it's going to revert back to a a, a regular gas and you can't really get it to travel very far, and it also disperses. So if you were to have this ionized gas come out of the end of a ray gun, it's not going to be a ray or a beam, right? It's not going to move forward in a concentrated beam. It's going to disperse outward. It's going to bloom. Mm-hmm. So in that sense, you also don't really have much of a weapon because the further away the person is, it's, it's just like a shotgun in a way. You know, a shotgun shoots shot, Mm -hmm. And that shot spreads as it goes out. So the further away someone is, the less concentrated the impact will be. Right? Right. So same sort of thing except even on a bigger scale because we're talking about individual (laughs) atoms here, not just uh, shot. Mm -hmm. And so that's another problem. Um, And and there are various ways of getting around this. Uh, If you had – a gun that somehow could create an electrical charge all the way down to wherever your target is, it could ionize the gas immediately around the electrode. Mm-hmm. but in that case, you're talking about some sort of super powered taser,
1: yeah, now, if you'll remember if you think of it as as the plasma cutter, you'll remember that in our discussion on how it worked just a moment ago, um Jonathan was pointing out that the the metal that's being cut requires uh, is is basically charged it's yeah. part it becomes part of the circuit yes so if you were shooting at something 500 feet away for example mm-hmm. um, it's going to be very difficult I mean you can't uh, you have no circuit you can't you don't have a circuit um, also you'll remember that uh, Jonathan was talking about the gas that's on the outside of the pressurized gas that is used to cut. Um, that's controlling the the cutting yeah. of the, the the plasma cutter. Without that, um, it's exactly what Jonathan says. You don't have a real way to control it. And you might say, well, what about lightning? Well, lightning, it forks. It's not controlled. Yeah. Um, so, yes, lightning can can travel an, a, a long distance, but it also uh, – it's a charge. We know that the ground and the clouds are charged differently. Yeah, it's and essentially a circuit.
0: It's, it's a central. circuit that only lasts – a, a moment, but yeah. it, you know it's not. So, if you had, if you somehow arranged it so that everyone on the enemy side wore a particular suit that could, you could wear positively charged clothing, please, thanks, so that I could use this negatively charged electrode to create a circuit between me and you, uh, then I can vaporize you. That would be great. Hmm. So, yeah, it's a little tricky. Um, yeah, there are a lot of other issues with this, but there—that's not the only way to weaponize plasma. Hmm. That's you know that's if you were to have a gun like in the Halo universe. In the Halo universe, the aliens have uh, plasma weapons, mm-hmm. and they shoot these kind of blobs of energy, which you know it, essentially it's like uh, 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 blobs of, of super heated gas, mm-hmm. and they travel as if it were a solid projectile. And, uh, uh,
1: so like little sunlits.
0: Yeah, these little energy weapons that can do massive amounts of damage, particularly to, literally to your shields. They're mm-hmm. great against shields. So, uh, yeah, supercharge your plasma, uh, pistol and then immediately switch to your regular pistol. It's a great way of, anyway. So, <laughs> that's just not viable right now. Mm-hmm. The equipment we would need to create plasma is much larger than what you could have in a handheld gun and you just wouldn't have those results. But that's not the only way. Uh, there are other ways. Like there's an example. There's a, a weapon uh, that's been worked on by the U.S. government uh, over the last few years called a pulsed energy projectile weapon or PEP. Mm-hmm. Now, this creates a uh, – it uses, it uses a very high-powered um, uh, laser-style weapon. So it's not a plasma weapon at its at its source. Right? It's just right. create- it's just firing off energy. It's an energy weapon. And the idea is that when the energy contacts something solid, then it creates a plasma. It actually excites the, the material that it contacts with, and that's what creates the plasma. So the plasma is not contained within the weapon. Uh, and it's, it's just, it generates as soon as the, uh, ray hits something solid. And then at that point, what happens is the plasma, uh, that's generated quickly starts to expand because the energy from the ray is continuing to hit it. Okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that expanding plasma creates an electromagnetic pulse. And this pulse is geared to, uh, kind of short circuit our pain receptors. And the idea is that this weapon would either paralyze you, it would just make all, you know, your muscles contract, kind of like a, a massive taser. Or it would paralyze you with pain. You would feel so much pain, you would be incapable of doing anything else. This is the pain ray that people have talked about. Right. And, uh, uh, there's a lot of concern in the international community that such a device would be used not to stop a riot, but rather as a device of torture to, uh, to really torture a person if you were trying to interrogate them. And of course, uh, the whole torture thing has its own issues beyond just the the technical. But um, uh, that is a way that people are weaponizing plasma. It's just not using plasma as a direct weapon. It's just part of the weapon. And there are other ways as well. There are ideas of uh, creating uh, plasma to... Act as an antenna because mm-hmm. they can be much more efficient than metal antennas and or even use them in uh, anti-missile systems where the idea would be that if you had missiles coming in, you could fire beams up into the upper atmosphere, ionize part of the uh, upper atmosphere so that when missiles were passing through them, they would detonate and not land and hit you. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are ways of weaponizing plasma that's not, not quite the same as having a Uh, A cool ray gun, you know, your Q35 space modulator or whatever it's called. I'm Uh, sure sure (laughs) someone's going to write in and say, no, it was a Q32 space modulator. Sorry.
1: That was the obsolete version, I thought.
0: Uh, Yeah, I've I've upgraded.
1: Yeah. It's also hard to imagine something that shot plasma that would, you know, stop at a certain person. So yeah, it would it would shoot through schools. It yeah. would seem right, right. Yeah, no, really, yeah, it would.
0: Yeah, if it if it were really a superheated gas, um, yeah. I mean, if you were to find some way to control it so that it maintained its integrity and could travel vast dis- distances then what would stop it from shooting through whatever it was you hit and then going moving on? I mean, you, it would lose energy every time it contacted something. Oh, sure, something. sure. Mm-hmm. But if you're talking about superheated, if you're talking about temperatures that that rival the temperature of the sun, um, it's going to take a while for that to, to lose enough energy for it to um, – if, if you could keep it concentrated like that. It would take a while for it to lose enough energy for it to stop. Mm-hmm. Which just reminds me of the documentary Real Genius where they fire off the laser and it goes all the way through the entire laboratory and shoots through the head of a statue on the uh the quad.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: So, yeah. So anyway, yeah, uh, that's that's the basis for the whole idea about plasma weapons. I I think I'm not gonna go so far as to say they're impossible no no uh, it's just that with today's technology they are not really possible and it may be that they could be possible but not practical yeah yeah it will it may very well be that by the time we could create a plasma weapon something even scarier is, <laughs> is out there so um, yeah it'll be interesting to see if there's there are further developments in attempting to weaponize plasma technology uh, but really when it comes down to it it's very useful tech for things in manufacturing and and like I said, waste management or potentially in waste management. There are very few uh, plasma waste converter facilities out there. There are only mm-hmm. only a couple in the United States, and there are a few in Japan, and uh, and that's about it. But yeah. uh, but they have the potential to really change the way uh, we we deal with waste. I mean, they could uh, they could actually help reduce landfills because most of them have capacity so great that they would be able to serve not just the community on a daily basis, but also take uh, uh, garbage that has already been dumped in the landfill and start using that as well. So every day it would be using a little bit more of the landfill as well as taking care of all the daily trash that was generated by the population, plus possibly creating energy as a result through uh, through using fuel. Um you know, it's a it's an attractive prospect.
1: Yeah, but it, it
0: also requires quite a bit of an initial investment. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. anyway, uh, this was going to be a short episode. So, hey guys, uh, I, I you're welcome. Because you know, a lot of ours have, have topped over 45 minutes and a few of them have hit that one hour mark. So you guys are getting off easy today. But that was a great topic. It was very interesting for us to research and uh, uh, plasma is just cool. No. Not, not literally. It's actually really super hot. Oh, but, okay. But i mean just, just checking. It's neat. Yes. Nifty, if you will. <laughs> so guys, if you have any requests for topics that you would like us to... Tackle. Let us know on Facebook or Twitter. Our handle there is techstuffhsw. Or send us an email. Our address is Stuff at Discovery.com. And Chris and I will talk to you again really soon.
1: Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?